to parenting, and my guest has been involved for many decades in helping boys navigate the difficult teenage years. Garth Wynn is Executive Principal of Christ's College in Christchurch and joins me now to talk about how to shore up boys' positivity, resilience and confidence. Atamaria, Garth. Hello, kia ora, Lynn. What were, what were your, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. What were your um, what were your teenage years like? Oh, I had um, oh my teenage years were in uh, Brisbane in Queensland in Australia. I I had a wonderful teenage time going to an all boys school there, following my two older brothers, uh, and generally being engaged in the the things that young people are doing. Lots of sport, lots of activities, lots of fun. Uh, through the journey of growing up alongside family and friends. So a very positive experience. Um, that, that's a lucky experience. I'm sure many of the boys that you're working with don't haven't had that. Um, and you've had a lot of experience working with this age group. What are some of the particular challenges as you see them for teenagers um, and gender now? Uh, well, I think... At this particular point in time, we face some, I always think we we face some of the same challenges as always faced, and that is that we want young people um, in those adolescent years are trying to work out who they are and where they fit. And they do that within the context uh, that they exist in at this point in time. So when we look at the world now, uh, there's a range of existential issues that they're facing with regards to what might be considered the environment, might be considered workplace opportunities it might be considered um where does this pandemic fit where does the where does a, a war in europe fit things that are are, are beyond that and then uh, then the challenges are, are more real and down to earth and every day and possibly the difference between when i grew up and when perhaps you did too lynn the idea of that third parent in the room which is what i would generally describe as media People include social media in that. Uh, that's probably the really large different challenge that they're facing nowadays in their immediacy because not only are they having the influence of mum and dad, they're having all their carers, they're having the influence of their peer group, which again at this time of adolescence is very, very significant, but they're also having that other element, which is the media and all that goes with it. What they're seeing and, and what they're there for being influenced by is so significantly different to perhaps uh, recent past and further past. So you're including here coverage, images, incidents of bad male behaviour? Oh, all sorts of uh, images and instances, yes. There's there's a proportionate um, capacity for the media to catastrophise no matter what that story might be. But when it comes to what you've just said, you know, the idea of seeing um, images and um, exposés and stories of of very poor, unacceptable male behaviour, that is certainly there. Uh, And that for becomes something that's, you know, in in the face of a young man. Uh, We see a lot of that, unfortunately. But we also need to recognise that that boys and men can be, you know, very healthy and, and they can be boys and men in healthy and positive ways too. You know, they can be loving, supportive, caring uh, and together if, they, if they're directed in a purpose. There are many, many good men out there in the world and, and there are many stories of those people too. 
emotional building, helping boys build emotional competence is something mm. you feel very strongly about. Can you talk us through, Garth, what you mean by that and how it can be built? Yeah, I think, well, I think that con- the idea of emotional confidence is uh, is one that has um, all people, women and, and men, but especially in this context, men, uh, being able to identify their feelings, to be able to talk about them as they grow through boyhood to young adulthood to adulthood and, and progress their understanding of their feelings um, and develop that and mature that understanding over time. And that it's a social, social and emotional learning enables us, therefore, to be able to enter into quality relationships. And those, the quality of our relationships is really the quality of our life. And that's with um, everyone we come in contact with, be that other men, obviously, be that the women in our lives, be that where we fit in in around the people that we are loved and cared by and loved and who we love and care for. So that's a really important part of a quality education that comes from both the family and from the school, let's say, in in the context we're speaking now, and also within the wider community through the examples that we've just talked about that, that young people see of of people who have emotional confidence and can and can behave in in um, appropriate ways. Do you, with the young men that you are teaching and talking to, Garth, still find that there is this prevailing idea that young men or men should not talk about their problems and should not show weakness? Have we made any progress in that? I would uh, I would like to think, uh, Lynn, I'd like to think that we've made a lot of progress in that. There are many um, profile, high profile uh, people within the New Zealand context um, that have been talking about expressing feelings and and, and being different as as a man uh, that has come into our play. And certainly within uh, the educational domain, um, there's been a lot of work done. Um, with regards to introducing into curriculum um, ideas of um, this growing social and emotional learning um, through both primary and secondary schools, so I think I think we have we have made considerable um, steps in the posit- in a positive direction. It doesn't mean that we will ever will we will not have bad behaviour, but I think we have a lot of very constructive constructive and positive things happening in schools. Um, recently, the Ministry of Education just uh, just very recently introduced a new relationships and sexuality education program for New Zealand schools, which is focusing on positive relationships. And you can't talk about positive relationships and positive sexuality if you're not talking about emotional understanding and emotional uh, in an, and speaking about emotions in constructive and realistic ways. So I think that's just one example of where I think we've come a considerable distance. I also think that um, recent times um, in New Zealand particularly but across the world where where brave young women have started to talk about their own experiences um, and that that Me Too movement and the outcome of that, we saw that in, in Christchurch where, where I'm based ourselves with some brave young women from speaking out about their experience. That is, in fact, highlighted um, this ongoing conversation, and I think that's seen some very positive and constructive um, outcomes for boys 
who have really spoken out about not wanting to be a part of that and really wanting to move this whole pro, this this forward in a very constructive and meaningful way. So I think I think there has been a lot done. Yeah. Um, These young people, they're digital natives. Do you think though mm-hmm. that they're able to handle themselves in the digital realm uh, and understand more than we give them credit for when it crosses over into real life? Well, I, I look. I do think we we should give confidence to young people. I think yes. I think they can see. Many of them can see where things are shifting, as you said, through the sand of of what's being what's a manipulative career, um, domain, perhaps, um, as compared to to what's real and what they're experiencing from day to day. Let's not suggest that it's necessarily an easy element, but it's certainly something that they have. Um, getting They're getting a lot of help through a lot of resources that are available through their schools and available to their parents to talk about these sorts of things. It's it's a sad truth. The, that's you know the sort of the young people are seeming to have to grow up so quickly. That's that's often what I always think, and therefore it's impelling parents and those of us around young people to have to talk to them about things we probably don't want to. But if we don't, they are left to the vacuum of a manipulative um, media, for example, rather than having the people that they love and care for and who they do trust trying to help them balance where that fits in the in the, in the scheme of things. So, um, and I do, you've got to give them credit. I think they actually have a lot of capacity to be able to recognise what's true and what's not. One of the most uh, difficult issues perhaps for, for parents and children, educators, is the issue of consent and finding ways to be able to explain that very mm. clearly to young men. I mean, is this must be a role both for schools and for parents here. Absolutely, yeah. It's a combined, it's a combination of things. And I think in these areas that are relative, very sensitive and, and require some sophistication, it's where schools and parents can work very closely together talking about the sorts of things that are being taught at schools in that physical education and health relationships and sexual education curriculum in there, making sure that parents are involved in that process because parents... We all needed we all need help and needed help to have these pretty prickly conversations with our kids, you know, things that we're a little touch embarrassed about. But if we seek support and work together and continue to have those conversations, I think um, that that's going to be the helpful thing. If mums are talking to their sons about um, their sexual experience in a respectful and appropriate way, then sons are going to be more able to respect. Uh, the women that they come in to, in, into close contact with. I think that that needs some real willingness on the part of parents to engage in an appropriate um, cultural context. We know that anxiety is a real blight for for all genders, uh, for young people. What are you noticing with the young men at, at your school, mental health and anxiety? How's it, how's it manifesting and how common is it? Uh, it's look. It's it manifests in in a in a number of different ways. You know, um, from oh, it's uh, interestingly. If I share immediately some of the some of the some of the things that are really starting to occur now are things that are drifting more into the into the obvious part for 
for young boys, for example, eating disorders, not something that I would have necessarily experienced in the earlier part of my career, but are becoming more prevalent now. So that's a that's something that we're becoming more conscious about um, in trying to talk to young men about uh, the issues associated with body image. The general anxiousness and um, general anxiety with what the future is uh, and those sorts of elements are have been consistent. Um, but I do think, too, that the, one of the things that we should perhaps um, be pleased about is that I'm finding certainly our, our counsellors are having more boys come to them to talk about the issues that they're concerned by, and, and that actually is a reflection of a willingness on their part to engage in, in that emotional growth that they, that, they, that they want to have those conversations. So... The, their manif it's manifest in a variety of different ways, um, but at the same time, there's a there's a sense that because of some of the work that's been done over the last little while, um, more and more young men and boys are willing to talk about the fact that they're having a sense of anxiousness rather than bottling things up. They want to talk about. Uh, their concerns about their sexual identity, for example, perhaps in a way that would never have been spoken on before. So we're really, um, we're really quite. I think that's very encouraging, and the community should be encouraged by that. Um, and we look forward to further um, support structures being put in place, both within schools and beyond the wider community, that allow our young men to do those things. Is, I know there will be more support now, but is there enough support in your view for young men who are gay or trans? I know you've worked on diversity at Christ's mm. College, yeah, uh, and I'd say yeah. the awareness there is more awareness, but is enough support available? That's a well. I think there's a enough's an interesting term, isn't it? For each individual uh, young man, different layers and levels are required depending upon where they sit in their own personal journey. So I think there's a general concern in the community of the uh, resources for uh, mental health related issues. It is an under-resourced area. We need to perhaps resource that generally. And given that that would then fit in supporting people's um, growth of uh, their own identity, if, they, if they're having um, concerns about that, that would be helpful. Different institutions and different certain uh, people have different capacities, I suppose. So um, I think more support and more uh, understanding and appreciation of, of, of allowing young people to explore and think and explore with um, confidence is, is what I would like to look forward to. I'd like to have in place. Kakite Garth, that's Garth Wynn, Executive Principal at Christ College. Appreciate your time very much.